Welcome to the BU Podcast. BU Podcast. Yokozo. Yo, 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 what's going on? It's another edition of the BU Podcast. It's your boy Ashley coming back at you on the mic. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are streaming. Also, check me out on YouTube um, at the BU Podcast. Also, if you have any questions, concerns, or anything that you want to talk to me about, hey, Get at me in the Gmail as well, too. B-U dot two dot two D, letter D, fullest, at gmail.com. Um, yeah, man, got a special one today. Um, I have the pleasure of having um, recording artist, um, Substantial, come on to BU podcast for me. How you doing today, brother? Man, I'm doing really well. I'm very uh, happy to have you on and uh, excited to speak with you today. And I'm sure some of the individuals that are listening uh, should probably be some listeners of your music. Or if they aren't, uh, they probably will be after this podcast. So um, I'm appreciative to have you on. Also uh, happy to also, you know, aid you uh, with your art and things in, in some type of way on my platform. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, same here, man. So, of course, I think uh, a lot of people want to know, and first, as far as also myself, um, how did you come across uh, the name Substantial? Also, how did you decide to say, hey, I'm going to get into music. I'm going to rap, I'm going to produce, and I'm going to do all these other things. And um, I, I think that with, you know, within our community and just people, individual in the arts, um, that's kind of a hard thing to kind of say, okay, I'm going to do because it's not the thing like the parents really don't want to see and they feel you're going to struggle and, and things of that nature. Uh, so how, how did you come about making that decision? Yeah. So, um, to answer the first part of the question, um, you know, the name substantial wasn't something I came up with. It was actually given to me. Um, I had a different stage name at the time and, right. um, and basically, one of the homies, uh, my man Beef, we all used to call him Beef uh, when we were in college. And um, he basically put on a showcase at the school that had a lot of notable other artists on it. Uh, Talib Kweli was on the bill. Black Thought was on the bill. Um, and, uh, and he booked me as an opener. And um, unfortunately, I was double booked. I had a gig that was out of town um, in uh, Virginia um, that yeah. I had to do. And basically, uh, I went to let him know, and he gave me the flyer, like, oh, man, I already got your name on the flyer. And then I looked, and I didn't even see my name because um, I had a different name at the time, but I saw Substantial. And uh, he was like, no, nah, that's you. And I was like, <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? And he basically was, just told me straight up, like, yo, your, your, your rap name's trash, fam. Like, that right there, though, it describes your, your music, what type of person you are. All, it encompasses all of those different things when you think of the definition of the word. And the best part of it, it got your real name right in the middle, Stan. I was like, yo, it's kind of dope. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of dope. Uh, I got wow. I got sunned and I got hooked up all wow. at the same time. It was it was crazy. So, wow, um, yeah, man, I, I took it on as an AKA for a while. And it got to the point nobody called me by my old rap name. Everybody called me Substantial. So I stuck with it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, man, it was, it was just crazy how that came to be. Um, but before all of that, before I got that name, before I, because I was living in Brooklyn at the time uh, where I was going to college. Uh, yeah. But before that, um, as far as how my mom responded and my family, man, I would say 
my family what um was and still is about as supportive as you would expect um anyone to be when they decide to go into a profession that they know little about you know what i mean yeah I, and i think i think that's the important thing i think most people hate on like being a rapper as a profession or being a visual artist or anything like that that isn't commonplace right like even if they yeah. do see it a lot if they don't actually um know or interact because people always say be a doctor or a lawyer and then one could argue well how many doctors or lawyers do people actually know actually all of us go to doctors right um and depending on what your problems have been in terms of legal situations you know what i'm saying you might have had to interact with a lawyer or had a family member who has so so it's actually very commonplace even though a lot of people aren't doctors and lawyers right um on average like per per capita right and so um yeah so i would say that like you know even if you know a bunch of people that rap you don't necessarily know a bunch of successful rappers and there's a difference that's you know very true um mm -hmm. and so and so um but yeah man i think my mom and them they kind of thought it was a phase and truth to the matter is my mom didn't even think i was gonna get into art school you know what i mean so um so you know mm -hmm. rap was you know something she was like let's see you do this other thing first and um and basically as quick as i got to new york within two years of me being in new york i was in talks yeah. with def jam records even before i got to new york i was in talks with um i was in talks with people that i met from columbia um uh, mercury records like a bunch of different majors and some some larger indies like all of that long before i even met yeah. Best. and so um so it was something that you know, it didn't seem like a pipe dream because, you know, I was as quick as I decided I was going to become a rapper. When I made my first demo, I was in talks with a major label within the same year. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah. So, it, it, you know, so, yeah, man, I think, I mean, as soon as things start popping, you know, going start heading overseas, start popping up in magazines and stuff, you know, mom, moms was all in, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Had a magazine, up in the car. that's my baby, you know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's yeah. my baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. And it's good. Like I said, it's good to also have you on as well, too, because um, like I said, people, uh, probably a lot of individuals that listen to music or listen to, I, I believe the genre is called Japanese jazz, which is the uh, the genre that uh Jai Bass is in and other some of these kind of hip hop fusion jazz artists, uh, producers that are here. Um that you, like you said, you were on the move for way before New Job Base, um, which is dope to hear. Um, also, so from here, like I said, you just uh, dropped uh, Animal Arithmetic, which is a very uh, interesting uh, album. I, I, I thought it was super dope. Um, uh, I kind of like to know where the inspiration of that came from and kind of what's next, you know, for you, uh, who are you looking to work with? What are you looking to do? I kind of sure. realized um listening through your discography it kind of seems like you're kind of which i believe it kind of seems like a lot of rap artists do you're going on to more of the production side now because i started to hear less of your voice in your more recent works um so i'm kind of curious to where, where you're going next sure sure so with the album um animal arithmetic volume one um that came out back in february uh basically the inspiration behind that um shout out to the homie katie fox it's a collaboration with her 
She's an illustrator yeah, okay. from out of Queens, New York, um, who stepped to me maybe 2014, 2015 with the idea that she had for a, um, a manga that um, she had written and, uh, and was illustrating and developing. And uh, she let me know that, you know, at some point in time, she wanted to uh, have me produce a soundtrack for it. Um, you know, most people just know me as a vocalist, know that I rap, but I've been making beats since I was 15 years old. I just really hadn't um, really put them out there because I've always been connected to a lot of different producers, whether it was Nujavest or whether it was, um, you know, mm. No from Cunning Linguist, my man Tone Deaf, um, Odyssey. Mm. Uh, and uh, Marcus D, of course, and so many other notable producers. Like, people are so used to seeing me and who I've collaborated with that I, um, that you know, I, I guess after a while, it's like I never had a shortage of beats. So, like, <laughs> so I never necessarily needed to, to really push mine out there like that. Um, and I was still really, I had changed, like, the different hardware I was using, uh, using and different software. Like, it kept changing so much that, I just hadn't found anything that I was really fully comfortable with, like I was the original hardware I was using. So anyway, um, you know, when she asked me to do the soundtrack for it, because I've been doing more and more production um, over the last few years, and um, you know, my music started to, to pick up in terms of my numbers and the type of numbers that I've done, um, now versus yeah. what I was doing prior to releasing my first instrumental project, like my num my streaming numbers are much higher. So, um, you know, I started to realize it was like, hey man, like uh, seems like people don't mind the production too much. So, you know, I've been producer for other people, um, uh, just building my reputation as a producer because the goal is to ultimately be able to self-produce my next album, which I'm currently working on now and it's almost done. And um, it's completely produced by me. And so, yeah, so so I pitched that to her as well. I was like, look, I'm down to do it, but I think, um, you know, uh, because of the production I've been doing, I would like to take a stab at producing the entire album as opposed to just finding another producer and rapping all of their beats. Hmm. And then the other concern nowadays, too, is that, you know, um, I do know some producers whose stuff is sample-free or they sample stuff that, that is clear. But a, a good majority of the producers nowadays don't necessarily clear their samples. And so, you know, and as my numbers have increased over the years, you know, so does the attention. And, um, and you know, with her IP, I don't know, none of us know for sure, like, how big this, this manga is going to become. And then if it turns into an anime, like, we don't know, like, how big this will become. And so... Um, I told her, I was like, yo, we don't want to put constraints on how, how far we can take this because, you know, the moment everything pops off and this music we want to use, now we got to rush to try to clear every sample that we didn't clear. So um, so I was like, just let me take the reins and, and do it, and then we won't have to worry about that because the stuff that I do is um, um, I use royalty-free samples if I um, sample at all, and then um, and I have a lot of live instrumentalists that I, um, instrumentalists that I collaborate with. So, um, so yeah, man, so that was the approach to, to uh, working on that particular record. And um, yeah, it's not, not so much that uh, I'm trying to rap less. Um, uh, it's more of a thing that I am, I'm diversifying, right? Like um, in terms of like my revenue stream, my, my income and all of that. Um, you know, I make yeah. a lot more money producing for myself and producing for other people <laughs> than I do rapping. Um, 
and yeah, cut on those costs. I mean, I, right, and it's like, and I make good money um, rapping as well. But like, um, but the reality of it is, a lot of people want to work with me, but not everybody want to pay me what I'm mm. worth. And I think that some people they have a very limited like um, view in terms of what what my career actually is because nine times out of ten they mm. only know me through like one or two artists that I've worked with, either New mm. Best or somebody mm. else who brought them to me. And so they don't mm. realize that like fam, I've worked with major brands like Bentley Motors, Amazon, Ford, you know what I mean? Like they don't realize that I've done music for like 10, 12 video games um, at this point um, and all of this other stuff. So so someone's trying to hit you up and they're, they're lowballing you or trying to get you to do the, a collab for the love. And I'm like, hey, man, like, you know, I take care of two beautiful <laughs> little girls and, and, me, you know, take care of me and my wife doing this. So, like, I got to be mindful of my time and where my where my energy is invested, especially when you're working on your own albums, too, because it's a lot mm-hmm. of time invested and there's no upfront money when I'm working on my own stuff. So I might be working on a project for for two years a couple months and that's yeah no money <laughs> while that's being developed right but money is going exactly to pay the people who want to be a part of it if they if they need that up front as opposed to after so yeah so i gotta be you know uh, the older you get hopefully the wiser you get and i'm just trying to make small business moves man and and making sure that i'm uh, setting my family up for a good future whether i'm a part of that future or not you know what i mean mm. Mm. As well said, man, uh, me and my uh, homeboy that just sometimes comes in and hosts, we had a cast about like just basically, you know, stepping into uh, countries. It was based around countries or just zones where you're appreciated the most, right? Yeah. Um, and like you said, yeah, you got a, a person that knows who you are and what you're worth and what you've done. They're going to pay for that. Right. And they should. If they, if they have it, if they're not coming to the table because they broke, so it's like, look, right. man, like you said, this is what I've done. Here's my resume. It's some pretty, you know, high end stuff on my resume. Mm-hmm. Hey, you got to pay me. Right. And, you know, and I think a lot of people need to understand that, like, that are in these type of industries and things like that. And especially in our culture, like, we always want to take the the low ground, right? Take the best. Thing. Oh, well, maybe if I do it now. Later on, they'll pay me, mm-hmm. you know, now they ain't already paid you. Like, oh, well, we don't want to work with you no more. Right. Now you ain't missed out, you know, on the money that you shouldn't have gotten because you you assumed and you thought that later on down the line, like, oh, okay, yeah, they'll up me later on. Yeah, after they, after they hear my work, even though they've already heard it because they're at the table with you, right. you know? Um. So, yeah, brother, exactly. You, you're doing it right, you know what I'm saying, and, and, you, and you've been doing it right for as long as you've been doing it because you're successful at it. Um, it so yeah, man, that's super dope, man. And I, like I said, I noticed that you have done a lot with a lot of now the video game stuff. I was looking at your bio on your website. I didn't, I didn't know what video games you were in, but I, I think I want to kind of um, talk about the manga and then it, uh, with the Japan and New Jabe stuff because it's all similar. Mm-hmm. But um, since we are still talking about albums. Um, I, you know, on my train rides, you know, about train, you've been to Japan and stuff like that. On my train rides and stuff, I was running through some of your, uh, the, the discography, um, of yours. And, um, two albums, um, kind of really, 
uh, stood out to me. But first, as far as I was concerned, this is actually a, a question that from Instagram that Muscle, uh, Muscle was here. A guy named Muscle was here at Instagram. Thanks for the shout out to you, man. Thanks for the question. Uh, he's just kind of curious about what is your, when you go on the albums, when you're writing songs, um, what is your writing process like? Sure. Yeah, so um, it depends on what the project is, right? Like if it's an album, a lot of times before I write a single song for the album, I decide what the theme of the album is going to be. Um, and then usually I spend a ridiculous amount of time um, trying to figure out what the production is going to be for the record, uh, trying to build the soundscape mm. um, before I write anything. And even if I do write some things, it's uh, before I've developed those key points. Um, it's usually mm. like, you know, a couple lines, like if I'm if I'm just kind of vibing or, or I'm walking down the street and the line comes to me, like I have, like I'll have a, a, a Google Doc where it's like, it's just lines that I could potentially use for whatever my next thing is. Uh, Cause sometimes just the bar tool will come to me and I'll just write it down right. um, or um, document it in some way, shape or form. And yeah. then, um, but usually once I have the beat before, before I uh, really dive into what the lyrics is, um, like I said, I figure out what the theme, theme of the song is going to be. And then I spend a lot of time scatting to the music, like just like figuring out what uh, what flows that I like over the beat. Um, but then also figuring out what tones sound good, like, you know, whether I must um, be use a more aggressive tone and delivery or if it's going to be more melodic. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time yeah. thinking about all of those things before before I write a single word most time. Um, and yeah. then sometimes, sometimes I use a stra uh, strategy where I'll um, where I'll basically uh, record myself scatting, and then like if I really like what I developed, like in terms of the flow and the tone, yeah. like I'll sometimes loop sections of it and just kind of keep running that back until I turn all of the the, the nonsense though. I'll take all of that stuff. And let it keep uh, playing over and over again until I'm able to turn all of that into words that matches the amount of syllables, the tone, all of yeah. that. You know, um, now that's wow. not always my process, but um, but that's definitely you know something I keep in the tool bag, right? But um, mm. um, yeah, man. So it's just a lot of uh, playing around and stuff, depending on what the subject matter is. Uh, like if it's a topic that is maybe something I haven't rapped about before. Um, if it's right. deeply personal, I just kind of spend some yeah. time like really meditating on the subject matter, um, kind of making some notes to myself. Um, if it's something that's dealing with more worldly issues, uh, whether it's like, you know, social issues, things of that nature. Um, yeah. And a lot of times I might do some reading, just uh, like I'll read a few articles, maybe a book that I know about that is related to that thing. Just kind of yeah. doing some research and getting Cause I know what my perspective on that particular thing is, but I'm interested to hear others perspectives too. Uh, because my perspective, even though that may be how I feel, that doesn't necessarily make it right. So, um, yeah, exactly. yeah so I, I'll do, do my research and, um, for certain subjects and really try to, um, challenge myself, maybe watch a documentary, whatever, you know what I mean? Just to take in additional information, just to, to give me more to pull from when I write. That's awesome. That's all, and and I'm glad you brought those things up because, uh, with my uh, journey into stepping into being, <clears throat> excuse me, into being a creator uh, with this podcast, 
you know, I realized the, and like I said, it, it, it really opened my eyes to artists such as yourself and just, or even just regular, just who just focus on podcasters, the amount of time you have to put into, first of all, which you think people, a lot of people think is easy, like promoting. Right. I, I can't even, you think it's easy because you're on your phone all the time, right? Right. I can't even, you know, promote my pod as frequently as I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't have a rhythm down or like a system to, and I'm, I'm still learning a system to like get it, get it out, 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 right. get it out, right? So people can see it and say, oh, "Okay, it's the BU podcast. Let's, I'm, I'm gonna check that out." It's been, you know, this guy's been, you know, putting it out there, putting it out there. But I, I don't have that system yet, and just right. you know, researching and reading up, and just like even preparing to speak with you, you know, kind of, you know, finding the time to just look through your website you know, go back through your music, you know, like, I, I, of course, I know who you are, but mm-hmm. to be quite honest, not until I, up to this interview with you, I had, I didn't really deeply research you, you know, mm-hmm. but I know you're like, I'm like, that's what this dude is dope. Like his music is dope. I love listening to it. But <laughs> since I'm going to, since I'm going to speak with him, like I need to do a little bit more. Right. Um, Cause I, you know, I want to ask you some questions that are specific, specific to you. And just, and just like you stated, when you say you want to know the other person's opinion, you want to make sure you're well versed on what it is going to be talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I that that has opened my eyes and given me a lot of respect to the cats that are successful, such as yourself and any other, you know, highly successful known. You know, like you said, there's a lot of cats that ain't known, um, known artists um, out there in the world. Um, the two of your albums, um, the first one. I want to know you guys to kind of get the inspiration. The past is always present in the future. And I was, <laughs> I was on the train really trying to wrap my brain. Like what, like what exactly does he mean? Cause I was like, okay, in the past, you know, become the present. But then you say like the present is always in the future. So I was still trying to, I was trying to like, yeah, where are you getting that with that? And one track that I've been, that I had on repeat, on on the on the Spotify man, Black of All Trades man, mm-hmm. that song is beautiful. That song is dope. Um, and when I like I said before, you know, I I looked on your website and just look at, like okay, I get where you got it from because you are doing a lot more than just the music. You know what I mean? Um, but can you just kind of talk about that album, the name, and sure. you know? And maybe touch on Black of All Trades because that song, hey, everybody out there, get on Spotify, listen to Black of All Trades because that song is, it's cold. Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. Can can you kind of talk about that? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, man. So uh, the album, the past is always present in the future. Um, I remember coming up with the title for that record. I was just, I was on my way to New York with my wife, and. Yeah, like I was thinking about what the themes of the new record would be and how I wanted it to deal a lot with legacy, right? What type of legacy mm. you leave behind. And um, and, it started, and, it, and it clicked, you know, it was like the past is always present in the future. And when I said that out loud to my wife, she was like, oh my God, I'm like, right? <laughs> you know, it is one of those things like, man, you start wrecking your brain. Like, did I really just come up with that? Is this not a quote that someone else said? Like really questioning yourself because 
sometimes when you come up with something that's too good, you start being like, man, that had to come from somewhere. Like somewhere I could, else. You know, you start having that, you know, start doubting yourself. But yo, like, um, yeah, that was that was all me. And um, and basically, what it means, you know, um, it's one of those things. As you grow older, a lot of times, especially in hip hop, um, and, and it happens in all popular music, but. Uh, I can only speak to hip hop in terms of that. That's the the area I work in the most, right? And yeah. the older you become, um, you start to be you start to be viewed as irrelevant. And mm. in the the whole thing with this album, um, the point that I was just like, man, like all of these things from my past, fam, they're here right now. So this question of relevance, the question of relevance is irrelevant, <laughs> right? And it's because mm -hmm. none of us, none of us are truly original, right? We're mm -hmm. literally, com we're a compound of all of these different things that existed before us, right? From the exactly. elements that exist in stars uh, to like ideas that were taught to you from a very young age, the like your parents feeding different ideas into you, um, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things come from something else and in those ideas mm. god knows how old they are and even when you come up with something new you know you're using a language that someone else came up with hundreds or thousands of years ago um and mm. like and how you phrase it how you structure it is based on systems and things like we're literally we're we're walking time capsules all of us you know Hold on one yeah. second. Yeah, take your time. No problem, sir. Sorry. No, no, you good, yeah. man. Uh, did you? I don't know if you could hear that, but like so, out of nowhere, music just started playing in my my AirPods, so <laughs> kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> no That's worries. Why I paused. No, no worries. <laughs> um, but yeah, no worries. Like, so like, is that Lil Wayne? Like, what is happening right now? Um, <laughs> it was super random. So anyway, um. But yeah, so that's what that title deals with, right? Like the past is always present in the future. Like, uh, Beautiful. you know, just the, just the, that whole concept. So, so anyway, um, you know, when working on the album and talking about legacy, part of my legacy is the fact that, um, you know, I'm never, I do what I can to make sure I am not remembered as this or not seen as this one dimensional artist, right? Like Boom. I'm not a one trick pony. I'm not. Mm. I'm not just a rapper, right? Like, you know, um, and this is like, and I don't be trying to flex and brag a little bit, but sometimes you just got to say stuff so people know because they you love to, to talk to you. Like, you know, there's people who love to talk to me like, oh, you know, the only reason why anybody care what you've done because you worked with Nujabes, right? And I'm like, all right, consider why Nujabes called me because I didn't call him, fam. Like, he called me. So consider what it is that I was doing that was so great that man made this man make a long distance call at a time where it was way more expensive to do that, right? To reach out to this dude who was a quote unquote nobody, right? So, Not you know, real. that literally at that time, I was in talks with Def Jam Records at the exact same time that Nujabes was reaching out to me. So, you know, like all of these all of these different things, you know, but at the same time of doing that, I'm literally attending Pratt Institute for graphic design and Pratt is like a top 10 art and design school in the world. And so yes, I'm doing that, mm -hmm. right. So I'm doing that, um, making music, 
Um, you know, I'm freelancing, doing graphic design and stuff like that. And that was Word. back then. Nowadays, you know, I'm running my own uh, business, uh, a consulting service that I run with my wife. Uh, we're doing different types of events and stuff to support creatives and better inform creatives and create, uh, create opportunities. Um, but the point is, all of my heroes, or most of my heroes, um, you know, they were multidimensional. They, you know, um, they practiced multiple disciplines. You know what I mean? Somebody like a Gordon Parks. He was an amazing photographer, right? But then right. he was also a journalist. And then yeah. he was also a composer, wrote symphonies. Boom. He scored He Boom. scored and directed his own film, which was based on his best-selling book. And then he wrote multiple books. Like this dude... This whole idea that you can, if you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none, is nonsense. Because when we look at the Harlem Renaissance and other, uh, like just other movements um, of artists, a lot of them were multi, uh, multi uh, disciplinary, um, uh, practice multiple disciplinaries, right? Like uh, multiple disciplines. Pardon me. So like they, they were multi hyphenates before that was a, a term, right? And yeah. so. Um, so that's what I pride myself on being, and that's what that song is about. Um, you know, just the idea of me really embracing the fact that I'm a multi-hyphenate and I don't have to be great at one thing. I can be great at multiple things, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you definitely, uh, you know, touch on that through the whole song, you know? Um, and just being a black man and a black man in general and how we should right. move, you know? Right. That's why, I, that's one of my, now on my Spotify list for the morning, one of my get me up, get going, get motivated, let's go. You know what I'm saying? You know what's the stuff you're saying. You, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just want no, to go add, for it. Um, like when you know the the reason why it's black of all trades, right? Like, um, I remember uh, doing a panel, and there was a young artist there who was basically saying, like, "Yo, I don't want to be known as a black artist. I just want to be accepted as an artist," and um. And I felt what she was saying, and I was like, yo, I absolutely understand and acknowledge what you're saying. And I, too, sometimes feel like that. But the truth of the matter is, I'm a black man in the United States. And that literally, that's the lens that I see the world through. That informs my daily decisions. That informs the art I make, both music and visual yeah. art. There's no getting yeah. away from that, right? At yeah. least for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes that... You know, there may be some people in my audience um, who maybe question that sometimes for me or whatever, because I'm not necessarily not every one of my songs is about like revolution, uh, being revolutionary per se. Um, but but it's it's absolutely like, you know, it informs every decision I make, like in my day to day, um, whether I'm aware of it or not, like it's it's always present. Like I have yeah. no. You know, it's not like I'm trying to tap into something, fam. I'm just out here existing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's so it. I can't pretend, <laughs> but I'm not going to pretend like, you know, it doesn't inform my decisions. Like, I yeah, think okay. as, a, as a black man as well, because mm -hmm. how we navigate certain spaces and when we move through the world, we're sometimes made hypersensitive in terms of how people see and view us and how we move because we know yeah. that when we make people nervous, it might mm. result in us being in prison or killed. So mm. like, mm. and that's not mm. everywhere I go, but I'm mm. so used to understanding that. 
um, dynamic and being and I've been in enough of those situations where that the trauma from those situations they, it doesn't just go away it's like it's unresolved no. trauma so yeah. so like the reality of it is it, it informs a lot of what I do um, whether I want it to or not so I just Absolutely. fully embrace it as a part of who I am that's that's right you know i embrace it as well too man yeah you know and i know heading on back to the united states and even here in japan mm-hmm. a lot of people don't think and even uh some japanese are saying like oh we we don't know what racism is because we're all japanese and i'm like mm, what okay like you may not completely understand the construct because you're a homogenous but at the same time you're subconsciously doing it Right. You know, you're and, and, and they understand you, what prejudice is. You know what? Prejudice yeah, they understand is. prejudice. They <laughs> right. do that. They know. They definitely yeah. understand that. Right. Um, right. You know, you they you separate. Yeah, we're all foreigners, mm-hmm. but you separate us. You do. I see. I see yeah. it all the time. I've been here for ten years. I know. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like and you don't have to. You know, glaze over it for me. Like I'm from America. I'm black and from America. So the the you doing is easy. Like you ain't even. Like sweeping it in the rug too well. Like I know what you're doing. Right. right. <laughs> how, how much you want to convey to me? Like, oh, oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, Like, no, no, it's that, and it's okay. So let me just kind of mm-hmm. inform you if you're ignorant to it. You know what it is that you are doing, and why right. and why it's not okay. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, and the in the other album that kind of stuck out to me was because it's it's unique in itself because I, 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 you know, with black artists that I listen to rap, whatever it's so may be, I've never seen anything like this was the soundtrack for fatherhood. I've never yeah. seen. I mean, I, I can't even think of many songs where, and they're probably out there. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, a lot that uh, focus on that. Now, because of the theater of the United States recently, of course, a lot of artists have been jumping on the mic uh, with the radical, um, you know, uh, resistance, you know, type of type of songs and things like this. But this one, man, I was like, oh, this, this really stood out, you know. Um, and I say you got it inspiration from a book. Mm-hmm. But what, what made you say, like, oh, man, I'm about to fully lock in and just drop an album just straight up on Black Fatherhood, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what you know statues okay i'm about to do this right yeah um so the book the book that is based on is a children's book that i actually wrote um that was based on a song that oh. i wrote um yeah so the song i wrote uh it's called in my daughter's eyes and so there's two versions of the song the first version is on the past is always present in the future and then um shortly after a fan gave me an idea when my wife and i announced that we were having our second um kid and it was another um, little girl uh they were like yo you should do a uh you know part two to in my daughter's eyes but then they were like yo just move the apostrophe though and i was like hey that's kind of dope um and so yeah so i wrote that song and um one day while we were listening to the mix of the song my wife and i were in the car on our way to pick up my oldest daughter and uh, my wife gave me the idea. She was like, you know, this could be a book. And, you know, I looked at her sideways trying to figure out what she was thinking. And um, and she re- referenced, um, I think, uh, Celia Marley. I think I'm saying her name right. Um, one of Bob Marley's daughters. She turns his songs into books. 
And she was like, yo, we could we could do something right. like that. And I think this song would be perfect for it since you rap about like both our kids. We could we could do that, absolutely. And so, yo, so we started playing around with the ideas, started refining the lyrics um, to make it work uh, as a children's story, hired an illustrator, um, and then we self-published the book ourselves and um, put it out there. But then I thought, it was like, you know, I became a father uh, back in 2008. And since then, like I've written a lot of songs about fatherhood. So I was like, you know, what if I took all of these different songs that I've written about fatherhood and then put them on one album, right? Like, but then write some yeah. newer songs that kind of, you know, uh, really captured this current moment that I'm in. And then, you know, work that out, you know, and uh, I pitched that idea to my partner slash wife. She dug it. And um, yo, so we just started playing around with the whole idea of the soundtrack of fatherhood. And uh, yeah, man, the reception has been dope, man. Like just really- um, That's good. It's been really, really dope to see people connecting with it. It's been dope to see how people connected with the children's book as well, too, because that was something I hadn't done before. Um, but it's dope Beautiful. to be able to say I'm an author now, right? And, uh, and so now we're playing around with the idea of a follow-up book to that. We also have another book um, uh, that we're, we're brainstorming on now and developing for, for Black of All Trades, believe it or not. So, uh, yeah, man, just, uh, yeah, just really... Because, you know, I've been an educator for over 20 years as well. So um, just really, yeah. like, even though I don't work with the little, little kids anymore, this is still a way that I can, you know, through writing these children books, I can still reach those young people while, like, I'm still working with, I'm still teaching uh, middle school and um, high school kids and then um, higher, um, kids who are uh, doing higher education as well. So I teach, like, music business courses um, through two different programs right now. But, uh, but yeah, man, the children's books are just a good way to still pass lessons to the, the real young ones who I used to work with, you know. Very cool, substantial, man. Yeah, and uh, like I said, yeah, everybody, definitely, if you, definitely if you're a black father, uh, get that uh, album and listen on Spotify, the soundtrack of fatherhood. Um, very, very, very cool album, man. Uh, definitely gave me a little bit more inspiration and, and focus and foresight you know, on how to focus on my son, you know, and be a good black father for my son, uh, especially having him being um, uh, multiracial as well, too. But I think as we, you know, as black men, as we always say, you know, you're black, you're black. But you, right. he does, he does, <laughs> he does, he will understand that, of course, he's, you know, he's Japanese and he's also African-American at the same time. But um, it definitely, it's definitely a dope album. I'll check, check that out. Um, so now Japan, mm -hmm. Japan, man. Um, it, first of all, just, you know, brothers finding Japan and, and getting into Japan and things of that nature is always a interest of mine because when I was at my university uh, and I studied abroad, I was the only, I studied around 2007 in Tokyo and I was the only black dude on my study abroad class. Right. I think in my university, the university I studied abroad at, I don't recall seeing anybody, you know, look like me too much, you know? Mm -hmm. So speaking of us about Japan is always uh, something very interesting to me. 
Um, and I've also noticed that hey, you are your manga head, anime head. You you've uh, also alluded to you know video games and things of that nature. Um, but before I get into Ninja Base, did, I'm I'm very sure. But prior to that, you were into Japan. So like, what what brought you to Japan? Like, how did you get into Japan? Yeah, um, I first learned about Japan. I think it was like second grade. Uh, that was when they were teaching us how to write like some of the characters in one of my classes in elementary school. Oh. And um, and actually, no, I'm lying. I think it was actually before that. Um, I had a classmate. wasn't uh, like maybe like I can't remember if it was kindergarten or, or uh, first grade, but I had a classmate um, who like initially I just I just knew he was Asian, right? But I didn't necessarily know where he was from. You don't find a lot of Japanese people um, in the region of the United States where I live. Um, but this one particular kid, yeah. was he was Japanese. Um, most of the kids that I would come across in our area were either yeah. Chinese or Korean. But this one kid was Japanese. And so he would come. He would share his lunches uh, with right. me. I would share different things with him. Um, and we were cool briefly uh, for that one year we were in class together. So I learned a little bit. More, more, more about his food than anything else, right? <laughs> but just like the cultural differences through him first and foremost. That was my first experience with someone who was Japanese. But then, second grade, we yeah. started learning more about Japan and class and stuff like that. Um, and so then, fast forward, yeah, uh, it was when was um, the first time I watched anime and knew I was watching anime because a lot of times we see anime but we don't know that it's anime. But the first time someone broke yeah. down to me that, yo, you're watching anime, uh, was in high school. Um, it was, I think our, our teacher was out, so we had a sub. And the sub was like, oh, y'all can, can watch something on the TV. So they rolled a little cart with the TV in it, the old school joint, with the VCR. Yep, you know, I remember the TV them. bolted down on the cart. Um, and yo, the homie just happened to have VHS cassettes with, with anime in his bag. Like he was just ready. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Stay ready. You don't have to get ready. And he happened to whip out, <laughs> I think it was a Fatal Fury movie. One of the Fatal Fury movies. It was, uh, I forget, uh, with the I've character. seen one of those joints. Yeah. But I know it was a scene where they, they go to shoot this guy who's like the main villain and money catches the bullet with his two fingers looks at it and then throws it into the head of the dude who shot at him yeah i, I look at my boy because i have never seen uh uh anything animated one look this good and two be that violent so i um, immediately roll up to dude who put it in I'm like what is this where can i find more of it son what is happening right now and I'm looking at the sub because the sub is not watching, right? Like the sub is sitting on the other side of the TV. So they, she has no idea what we're looking at. Um, yeah, yeah, man. But instantly it grabbed me, right? And um, and so my man put me on, told me what we was watching, started telling me about anime back this back then. People were still calling it Japanime, right? Um, mm, let you know mm, how mm, long mm, ago mm, it mm. was. Um Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so yeah man he just put me on let me hold copies of certain things then eventually gave me a copy of um the street fighter joint uh with no subtitles just straight up in japanese then um and he hooked me up with ninja scroll ninja scroll was like oh my god oh, this crazy, was dope. 
Yeah, and um, yeah. Uh, of course Akira yeah. and um, Fist of the North Star. Man, I just did the beat dive, man. Oh. Just everything I could get my hands on. And um, so obviously I was more into the action stuff uh, early on. Um, of course. You know, yeah, like I like some of the, some of the comedy stuff is cool. Uh, like probably the stuff I watch nowadays. Um, was it uh, Way of the House Husband? That's my joint. That's probably the only comedy yeah, that was funny. That I actually loved, right? Because I, I can relate to that whole domesticated thing. So I'm like, I'm home chefing it up these days. You know what I'm saying? Jelly. So, so that's my show, man. I love that joint. But, um, uh, man. But yeah, so that was probably, those things were my introduction first and foremost to Japan. And then eventually when I got to um, Brooklyn, when I was going to school uh, at Pratt in Brooklyn, um, I met yeah. my man Tomo. And my, my man Tomo was from Japan. Uh, but he was a hip-hop head, and he rapped. And uh, he would tell us sometimes, like, who his brother was. Like, yeah, my brother is, like, like you know, uh, like a pop star. Kind of. He's, like, a world-famous uh, rapper uh, or, or, like, famous in Japan. It was uh, his brother, Zebra. And so um, so I didn't know what that meant until I got to Japan and eventually saw who Zebra was, and people were like, oh, no, nah, this dude is, like, <laughs> you know what I mean, legendary. So, um, so yeah, man, so I was friends with... Uh, Tomo, who was Zebra's brother, and he's the one who introduced me to Nujibest because we would hang out sometimes in Brooklyn. I recorded, um, went, we went to a studio together in, in Manhattan and recorded some stuff. Shout out to my folks, 24-Hour MC and Essential Entertainment, all of them good folks. Um, my man John, Chufu and all of them, uh, Phil Real. But uh, yeah, man, we would come through there, we recorded some stuff, and there was a mixtape I hopped on um, from my man, um, my man DJ Biscuit, who now go by Bisco Smith. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, like we recorded that stuff and that was what he ended up taking home with him to Japan after we exchanged numbers that ultimately he uh. shared with Nujibes while he was working at Nujibes's uh, record store, uh, Guinness Records. And that was basically how the connect was made, you know what I mean? Because um, Nujibes was like, yo, you know, he asked him straight up. He's like, you know any dope rappers, uh, any really good rappers in New York? And New York is New York, fam. Like there's a there's no shortage of rappers. <laughs> no shortage, none. And my yeah. and my man of all the people he could have mentioned, he was like, "Yo, you need to check out my man Substantial." And um, and so he let him hear this mixtape that I was on, the one I mentioned before. And uh, he loved what he heard. So then he had um, he had my man give him my number. And he just cold called me like I had no idea he was calling. And keep in mind too, because I think a lot of times. You know, I'm not. I don't downplay like the significance of Nujibest coming into my life. I don't downplay it, but I also remind people because they talk about how quote unquote lucky I am, right? And I gotta remind them. I'm like, yo, this is before Samurai Champ Blue, fam. This is before. Yeah, this is before Blue. Like, yeah. So this is that. Like, he wasn't this. Like this. He wasn't what people see him as today. So when he called me, it's like not like the name rang any bells. Like his company wasn't really known um, like that outside of Japan. So and and keep in mind, fam, I'm talking to major labels. I'm already doing, sh I'm getting paid gigs. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not what I am now, but I'm not. But I'm you no were good either, <laughs> right? Like I'm. No yeah, you someone. you were you were good when New Jobs came into the picture. Like you were right, good. right. Yeah. yeah. So so when he reached out. Um, you know, it, you're always hesitant, man, because it's like I've been at at that point in time, I had been at it 
in terms of like making demos, talking to major labels, doing gigs, winning competitions, winning MC battles. Mm. Like, fam, I was, because mm. this is 99 when he reached out. So my demo was recorded. So I've been at it for like a good five years straight. Um, mm. And not just doing it in Maryland, like doing it in Maryland, DC, some in VA, but then now in New, um, New York, getting getting respected by legendary rappers in Brooklyn and, and different places. Mm. So five years of just hustling. So I don't impress easy, right? Like, so when he's saying certain things, I almost hung up on him because I thought somebody was playing games. So it's like, I hear, I heard his accent. And because he didn't mention my man Tomo, that was the one of the last things he mentioned. He was just like saying a whole lot about who he was and who his label was. And it wasn't ringing any bells. And I'm just like, Yo, I feel like this is a practical joke. I'm about to hang up the phone. And then he mentioned my man Tomo. And I was like, oh, okay. Should have started there. <laughs> Let's start there. Um, but yeah, once he mentioned my man Tomo and stuff, then I, I, I put on, you know, I started actually really, really listening to what was being said. And, um, and he basically was like, yo, if you could send me more of your stuff, if I like what I hear, you know, I'd like to offer you a, a deal and I'll fly you to Japan so we could record an album together. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, that's what happened. You know what I mean? That's dope. That's dope. And then you got, you got on a plane and go to J Japan. Um, how how was it working with Nujabis? I mean, uh, me being in Japan for 10 years, me speaking the language fluently and living among them uh, for so long, um, I'm, I, I, I think I could say I'm very kind of versed and understanding of like, Japanese culture and especially when dealing with females and males and how working with uh males can be Japanese males um but I'm I'm kind of having this idea that new job base probably moved a little bit differently or how how was it you adjusting I have a feeling with still some cultural things like in the studio you yeah. sound like huh like maybe oh yeah yeah for so sure. like um Yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, it was challenging to say the least, man. Like that's <laughs> the, mm. the the quickest mm. answer to that is it was very challenging. Um, partly because mm. as a rapper, you know, it's hard enough getting to the point, getting comfortable enough with yourself that you can accept feedback from other people, right? Uh, but a lot of times when you're getting feedback, you're getting feedback from somebody who does what you do, right? Um, now working with him was a bit different because he wasn't necessarily a rapper. Um, well, not even necessarily, he wasn't a rapper. He was a producer. Um, and I had worked with plenty of people who were just producers, but it was, but it was weird sometimes because, you know, like Japanese culture is very much like you have to be conscious of sometimes what you're saying, what you're doing physically try not to offend certain people who are viewed a certain way, all of these little things. And those things exist in many other cultures too, but just Japanese culture is very strict with certain things. Mm, mm, and mm. so, but, but I'm, I'm very much a dude who calls out hypocrisy too. So like, so I push buttons and I piss a lot of people <laughs> off with that wow. because yeah. it, yeah. So, so like, you know, uh, because you know he technically was older than me, right? And like, and all those things. Right. So it's like, 
So, you know, it's that whole big brother thing. And it's just like, I think he was very much accustomed to working with certain people where it's like, yo, this is what I'm saying. This is what we're doing. And um, and so at one point in time, I, I had said midway through the process of working on the album, I was like, listen, I don't mind feedback to a certain extent, but I got to make sure I'm putting my authentic voice out there. Right. Because these songs are written about personal things in my life in some at some points. So how I deliver it like is directly related to what the message of the song is. So you can't come up to me and say, hey, I want you to do it like you did on this song. And then I got to stop and explain to you. I'm like, well, listen, because I know there's the language barrier because English is the second language. So he might be missing certain nuances, right? So, so, so yeah. I would have to stop and explain. And I'm talking about, man, we'd be in the middle of recording and then stop for like two hours, fam. Bruh. Like an hour, two hours <laughs> to have these very like heavy conversations. I already know. Yep. And, and yep. that, for some people, I think people are like, oh, man, you're so lucky. That's cool. I'm like, fam, that is mentally no, it's exhausting. Tiring. Because... <laughs> Yeah, because this isn't the first song we recorded today, fam. This is the third. And now I'm doing a song about a friend of mine who was killed, and you're telling me I should use do my delivery the same as a song where I'm talking about, like, it's no. like battle rap. It's punchline stuff. Like, I'm being funny and witty. And because of him, he's just thinking that tone works best on this beat because he's not yes. focused on the subject matter, right? Yes. And I'm trying to tell him no, because there's somebody who actually understands clearly what I'm talking about. And yeah. I will sound crazy rapping like that, talking about like my man died. You know what I mean? Using yeah. certain inflections in my yeah. voice. It that's because you know how we how it's how we say a thing is just as important as what's being said. And and yeah. that's true in Jap and that's true in all language, not just English. But it you know, is. but sometimes people who don't uh, understand all the nuances in uh, in certain languages, even if they speak it a little bit, they might miss yeah. that. That's why we yeah. sound crazy saying certain things in Japanese the first time we speak Japanese. Like, like the Japanese yes. people looking like that's not how you say that, fam. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, hey, real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you notice they're they're real quick on it too. Mm, mm -hmm. I mean, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> like. Cause that, that was something we ran into, right? Like where, because I was so engulfed in the culture, you yeah. know, I wanted to, to put little things about Japan in my songs and yo, and he was shutting it all down. Like if I said something like a Japanese word, he was like, nah, you can't do that. And I'm like, fam, <laughs> I've been, I've been going to nightclubs for the last month, watching people, watching Japanese rappers get on stage and butcher the English language, fam. I can't say English one word. Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the hypocrisy, fam. And so, yeah, man, it was just, uh, you know, but I was respectful of that. But I also let him know, like, one of the biggest fallouts we had was, you know, where, like, he was, it was before, because a lot of people caught on to Jim, um, to Jim after the fact. They caught on to Nujibus after the fact. So when I first started working with him, he really started, he hadn't started branching out yet to do stuff that sounded more like soulful house music or, right. or stuff that was like a little bit like R&B or real jazz heavy. He didn't right. have a lot of that in his repertoire yet. So for the most yeah. part, the stuff he was doing was like 
um, it was like boom bap influencing like a lot of like jazz um, samples and things like that. So it was stuff that mm. had already been done, right? It, it wasn't, it, he hadn't done the groundbreaking stuff yet. And, mm. and that was one of the conversations we had because he was just talking to me about what it is he was going for aesthetically and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, um, and he was talking to me like I didn't understand what he was going for. And I just was like, Fram, no, I get it. I was like, that ain't my issue. My issue is you're talking like you created something and you haven't created anything. You're you're participating in something that is already, like foundation for that has already been laid and you're carrying that torch, right? Now, I was like, now when you start doing some other things with it, things that we haven't seen done before, then I can understand your point, but it ain't there yet. Now, for context, and I know it's probably some people who are, who are gonna watch this and be in their feelings, but I always gotta remind folks, fam, I'm like, I knew him, you didn't. So I'm just telling you the truth and you can talk to everybody who knows him and has had these conversations in different ways. And the people who knew him know how it was sometimes talking to him. And, and sometimes we all, like all of us, when we, would find, when we finally got together after he passed, because most of us didn't meet until after Jen passed, we all would mm. talk about like how we'd all bump heads, right? <laughs> like with him and, and the similarities and, and certain things. And so again, um, we just had this because he was really offended by what, what I was saying. And I was like, I'm not questioning your talent. What I'm just trying mm. to tell you is like to be mindful of the fact that, you know, we got to be mindful of talking like we created something that already exists. You know what I mean? Or like you or you because because a lot of what he was doing, you could hear his influences. There's beats. If you listen to my first album, there are beats on my first album that that you can hear like premier DJ premier influence, right? And you can hear mm. like other, like maybe Pete Rock influence on another track, or you could hear his influences. And then in his mm. later stuff, there's like maybe one or two tracks on the album where it starts to um, the sound like what you hear on his solo stuff. But for the most part, he wasn't yeah. there yet. And he spent a lot of time yeah. like learning from other people, the Fat Johns of the world and um, Funky yeah. DL and all, like building with these yes. brothers. And um, and to develop his style further, and of course, when he met Uyama Hiroto, um, adding the live instrumentation to what he was doing, um, and of course, him picking up the flute later after realizing that Fat John played the flute, like all those things played a huge part in him developing his sound further down the line that started to go in that direction that people know him for now. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, but yeah, man. So it was challenging, man, and I like. I, you know, I'm pretty, he called me out on stuff. I call him out on stuff, but that's what, that's what a good relationship is supposed to be. You're supposed to be able yes. to talk honest. You're going to have fun. Yes. You're going to eat good. Yes. You're going to party sometimes. And then you're going to have arguments. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we had, we experienced all of those, <laughs> all of those things. You know what I mean? Man, that's beautiful to hear that firsthand. And I'm so glad you brought up some awesome points, which, I've talked about on my podcast before, mm -hmm. and I hope y'all are listening. He substantially hit on a lot of things that I have dealt with and just what it is dealing with the Japanese culture. The one big thing I like that you hit him on was, even though he's like this big producer in Japan, you know, bruh, this been here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. This is yeah. you, you did not create this. 
you took this and you you're attempting to make it into something that is yours and they have a very 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 big problem with that yeah i had a whole i i hold on let me i had a whole no i because this is funny I had a whole Japanese dude. He, he's he's an older dude, not no child. He's about my age at the time. I was working for the Japanese construction company that I kind of, I might talk about this another. I kind of got tricked into working into like doing hard labor and stuff like that. But it was one of the most interesting experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, no, he thought that McDonald's, the the American restaurant that started in the 1900s in America was a Japanese thing. Mm-hmm. I said, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. That came from America to Japan. That's right. an American thing. And now right. it's in Japan. And now you guys are adding your twist on it for your market. Right. That's what it is. So right. I, I, I'm so happy you brought those things up that just the, the, the guys on the stage butchering English, but you jump into the studio you want to add some flavor for for the culture for their culture yeah they were shut it down fam. yeah and and that and that for me was definitely one of the one of the most awkward conversations one of the first awkward conversations we had and it was like i'm just trying to and I just said to him, I was like, look, I ain't got no problem. I don't have to say it. I'm just trying yeah. to understand why y'all think it's okay to do, like, why y'all think it's okay to mimic us, but somehow it's disrespectful if I if I do that on my track. And it's like, especially when I'm not, I'm telling you my intention is not to be disrespectful. And I got yeah. you here with me to coach yeah. me to make sure I'm using it in proper context and, and all of that, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, man, it was it was a it was a really interesting thing, and so I just kind of left it alone. I think years ago, I eventually uh, did something on a track where I was just being funny, you know. <laughs> where I was, you know, I don't know if I can curse over here, so I ain't gonna say what I said. But yeah, no, you can curse, man. This is the BU oh, okay. podcast, man. You can curse, bro. No problem. Yeah, and I, I basically was like, uh, Ebonics plus Japanese is Ebonese. And so, you know, it was like, and I basically say something. I was like, uh, the, so the greeting is, it's like, mushy, mushy, motherfuckers. This is basically how we start this song. <laughs> just being funny. This song's called Tokyo Twilight. And it was just like, yeah. yo, that's something that, I mean, of course, like to this day, if anybody knows that album, in particular that song, they come up quoting that shit to me. But, um, but like i mean man that was probably 10 years maybe yeah like 10 years after i made that album and had that conversation with jim before i was like yeah i think i'm gonna just do it you know what i mean and so um yeah but like it's a lot of stuff uh that that is definitely very interesting and you know i try to be as respectful as as possible just because that's the type of person i am um Mm -hmm. and so like even and, and even where i'm at now i just I mean, you know, I appreciate it and I try not to borrow as much, even if there's context mm. for it in something I'm doing, um, mm. simply because, you know, all of us are, are a little guilty at appropriating something, right? Like, mm. um, there are just different instances where sometimes people try to call something appropriation where it's not appropriation. It's like, fam, you're in a place where your culture has been stripped from you. 
So you're doing these things simply because that is what you were taught is the norm in the region you live in. You know what I mean? Um, so that's that's different. That's not appropriation. So, um, but like, I remember for my my album Sacrifice where I did the the cover that had um, Sepulchre uh, being performed on the cover, and like, probably if I was to go back and do that uh, cover again, the likelihood that I'd have that on my cover um, is slim to none. But like, yeah. But I think it's also important to note that yo like. When I've ed- like when I've educated myself and realized these things and try not to fetishize um, people's cultures, it's important that yeah. they extend yeah. that, extend that same type of respect and hear a, and listen a bit better when people are trying to explain to you what it is that you're doing that is particularly exactly. problematic. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And I'm and I'm glad you know it, before we go ahead and I ask these last two closing questions and things like that i'm glad that you said that and also glad if you hear like you you were saying this to like what well, for japan you know in his realm in his on his base telling him this stuff right and japanese among japanese don't do that because like you said it's the whole senpai kohai like type yeah. of structure so they, they would never have that conversation with that base so right in turn you you doing that probably which it i'm sure it did mm-hmm. help propel his career mm-hmm. <laughs> help prepare his music yeah and hey, into something I, else yeah and it's funny i try not to uh, try not to be out here like yeah son that was me <laughs> you know what i'm saying but like but i definitely recognize the importance of of certain conversations and it's really one of those things like it's not a documented conversation um it's just you know while my memory's still good i know what the conversation was and then i know yeah, you when, know what it was i yup and i know when he first played like when he started doing his solo albums and he was playing it for me and i remember hitting him back and i was like yeah bro like hitting him up like when i heard uh his his take on ordinary joe which was a remake of um uh, a old song and I remember telling him, I was like, bro, like, I tear it up. Like, for real, like, this is beautiful. You know what I mean? But I was like, yo, this is it. Like, this is, this is, you're doing something. And even then, you can hear the influences from other things. But he managed to kind of, he made his own, he was cooking gumbo, man. He made his own thing. He mixed in a whole lot of things and found something that was unique to him. But, um, but I think the same thing that made me a better rapper is the same thing that makes other people better musicians and that's sometimes tough conversations tough working circ- working circumstances that just push you further you know what i mean to help you yeah. develop a bit better you know what i mean dope man thanks for giving us that insight on the job and you're working with them and i think that's very cool to hear that and the very like how you you guys work together and you know the hey like you said a lot of people think like no nah, he, he you know he ain't you know, boy, against the job base talking like no, like yeah, that's what you got to do to make good stuff to make and to get some type of understanding and 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 things of that nature, and more people need to be like that with the Japanese because when you do, they will tend to turn the other cheek at some point, but it, it just take a little time, but if you really lay something on them like, okay. It, it can change something with my trajectory, like money, uh, clout, or whatever it so may be. Then they, like, oh, okay. 
And, and like you said, they may not even like make a notion that, oh yeah, Ashley help me with this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So when I sat down, how conversation was substantial. Like this is how this, this kind of came about. And like, you know what? I was like, whatever. Like, that's cool. Like, like you said, I was I was already excelling, you know, and I'm gonna keep doing that, you know, regardless, mm-hmm. you know. But that, that's very dope, man. Like I'm I'm very cool to hear that because like I said, you know, I I found you through through Champlu, through New Job Base, and then when well, I got into your solo stuff. Um, like I said, it's awesome to uh, you know, be talking to you about those things. Uh, you know, uh, here on you know on this platform that I created, and the last two things, uh, and you know, uh, you could hit them, uh, you know, briefly as quick as you can. I know it's getting late over there in PG County. Um, the closing. Uh, this actually, I, I didn't get the Instagram name on this individual, but I think I think this was a good question. The first one is is that who do you admire? And last of all, which I really want you to leave something with the people is, you know, as an educator, as an artist, um, as a graphic designer, you know, as all that. Um, what do you have to say to people just to motivate individuals just to be you, man, just to be yourself? And like I said, you know, the Be You podcast, that's where I got the inspiration for being in Japan, because a lot when people before I feel I felt like in my opinion, a lot of foreigners come over here and just even in the society in general there's no type of be you like no go out there and be you you know right. um so just those two questions man sure. and then we'll go ahead and close it up yeah um people i admire man i i deeply admire my big sister shout out to my big sister lisa um You're not because man um i admire anybody who like has really lived through some things that that literally crush and defeat most people um and they yeah. come back stronger and um my, my big sister man um my big sister had uh her first child when she was uh she was pregnant at 15 had her when she was 16 and yeah. then um ended up dropping out of high school later went back out wow. of gd um, beautiful had another uh she had another kid um my other niece uh Shout out to Brandy, my first, my first um, niece of her two daughters, and then my, my second niece, Natalie. Unfortunately, um, she lost her due to uh, injuries she received in a car accident. Again, Man, something that crippled. Wow. Yeah, okay. I appreciate it. But like those circumstances cripple most people. Um, yeah. You know, she continued, continued working, continued to, to you know develop herself. She later um, decided she was going to go to college. She went. And got um, an associate degree first, and then eventually got a bachelor's yeah. degree. And then she recently, um, at like she's over fifty now, she recently went and got her master's degree. Um, so this is a, a woman who dropped out of high school um, not too long after having uh, her first daughter when she was still in high school, mm. and, now had, and now holds a master's degree. Right? Like you know, she used to look at look at me. And be like so proud, still does, you know what I mean? And finds a lot of inspiration because I was the first of uh, uh, my siblings to go to college and, and all of that. And um, but later, you know, and like, and then even with the traveling thing, right? Like, what made yeah. her inspire her to go to China and all of the places that she's been in the world. 
uh, was seeing me go to Japan. Like she used to say, she was like, I didn't just admire you, I was jealous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, you're my little brother. I'm supposed to be doing all this stuff first. And so, yo, but like it motivated her to do a lot of dope things. And so, man, I deeply admire like anybody who realizes that it's not too late to grow. That Boom. like, yo, that just because they call you a grown up doesn't mean you're done growing, right? Like never, you know, so it where, you know, so shout out to all the lifetime learners. Definitely if, uh, if, if I had to only pick one person who I deeply admire and who I admire more than anybody is my big sister. Beautiful um, man. Yeah, man. Um, so for everybody in terms of advice on how to be you, um, a great way of, I mean, there's a couple things I would say, like, you know, it's, it's hard to be you when you feel like you still haven't found your voice. Right. So, mm. um, the first step is really kind of knowing, knowing what's truly you, how much, how much in your day do you do actually, because that's what you want to do versus mm. you want to please someone else. Right. Mm, and mm, a lot mm. of us are, are trying to pe please other people. We're trying to keep the yep. peace. A lot of times we avoid having tough conversations because we're, we're trying to we're thinking of other people's feelings. Meanwhile, mentally, we're suffering. So. Mm. Um, so I think the first step for most people is trying to really find your voice. Um, and then I encourage people to travel. Right. Like and I don't mean just go somewhere to live, because when you go somewhere to live, you, you ultimately are going to you're going to acclimate like to, to your surroundings, right? Like you're going to yeah. adapt to the environment yeah. you're in. But yes. visiting is different because when, when you're visiting and people know you're visiting, they give you the pass, right? There's things yeah. they would typically not let slide in their day-to-day, -day, but they understand that, yo, you're a tourist, you're coming through, you're learning, right? Yeah. And you didn't know that that wasn't the thing to do, and they, and they yeah. give you a chance. So mm -hmm. I encourage people to not, and I know it's not always safe to travel by yourself, but if you can find somewhere tra safe to travel, a few places, and go by yourself, because I find yes. that when I've traveled by myself, I, it, it's, I really, I'm not always worried about, like, you know, well, I want to do a thing, but these four other people I'm with, or these three other people I'm with, they're not yeah, going to want to exactly. do it, or I mentioned it, they don't want to, I can, I can explore I can, you know, I can kind of try new things without being judged. I can, you know what I mean? Like, I find that, like, I find that, because when I tour, I don't always tour with a ton of people, right? Most of the time, even when I am touring with other people, we're all flying from other places, right? I'm from PG, but I actually live in Northern Virginia now, right? And so, a lot of times, when I'm touring with Marcus D, Marcus D lives in Tokyo. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're touring Europe for a month. He's flying in from Narita, you know what I mean? And I'm flying in from Dulles or, you know what I mean? Or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And we're yeah. eating up in a foreign country. So I get in a good 10, 12 hours sometimes just being by myself and experiencing certain yeah. things. And, and even when we get to the country, sometimes we don't meet up immediately. I'm yeah. moving through that country by myself. And I just find that yeah. it, it's helped me find my voice over the years and sometimes say things in situations where it ain't always what people want to hear, but it is my truth, right? And um, and there's a lot that I introduce to people that a lot of times they ain't feeling. And then all of a sudden, five, ten years later, it becomes the thing that everybody does. And now all of a sudden, I don't do it enough, right? So um, 
it's helped me get comfortable with who I am and allowed me to kind of yes. not care so much when people about people's judgment and things like that. Definitely. So, so yeah, man. So find your voice, you know, um, walk in your truth. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And before I close it, yeah, that's a good point. It me living in Japan and, and visiting some other countries like Korea, Singapore, Philippines, and things. That's just like, yeah, the whole judgment, the whole, you know, just caring what people think. I mean, you know, it's good to hear what the people think. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But just like I'm much I'm much more conscious of who I am and what I need and what I don't need. Let me say it like that. Like sometimes I talk to my friends and tell them like, yeah, I don't, like I don't want no debt because I, and I don't, I don't need this. I don't, I don't need that. And and you can kind of hear, the, like the, I don't know. I guess you're kind of concerned or just kind of like, well, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, why right. does he need that? Like, <laughs> you know, right, right. you know what I mean? Like, like I just don't. Right. And, and I think a lot of that comes from being in Japan. And just seeing other things, meeting other people, and experience so much, you know, I rather spend my money on something else, you know. Yeah. Put it towards my son. Put it towards the future, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times, people project their their own insecurities onto you. You know what I mean? Yeah. They feel like you shouldn't do a thing, or you should need, uh, do a thing, because yep. that's what they believe that they should be doing, and yep. because they see you as a peer, they believe. You know what's good for you. I mean, what's good for them is good for you, and that's not always the case. And a lot of times, when you push back, uh, they take that as an insult. Like they take it personal. Like you're somehow saying that you, like because that thing isn't what you want, is they shouldn't want it either. And a lot of times, it's yeah. not that. I'm not. I'm not that. telling you what to eat, fam. I'm not telling you what the. I'm. You know, I I live my life. And the things I think I should be doing or I think is best for me, it may also be what I think might be better for some people too, but I don't go out of my way to tell you this is what you need to do. I just live my exactly. life. And if you're paying attention, as the old folks say, as the elders would say, like more is, taught, uh, more is caught than taught. So like I just make sure, you know, I live out loud and hopefully someone's paying attention and if they, they respect what they see me doing, um, they find inspiration in that and try to better their lives. And, you know, I mean, who can ask for more than that? Beautiful, substantial. Thank you. Thank you so much, brother. But that be, I, I got a few shout outs and then we're going to call it. Shout out. <clears throat> I really want to shout this out. Shout out to the uh, United States government getting those motherfuckers on Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey. Well deserved. You lose. Life sentences. No mercy. Okay. Um, and it's an interview out there. Maybe you caught it as well, uh, as well Stan, it probably uh, it on Instagram as well, Amal Aubrey's father, discussing that. Like, you know, they want to be set up nice and want all this mercy and all this other bullshit. No. You're going to get what's coming to you. Yeah. Well deserved. He ain't asked yeah. for no mercy. He didn't have no mercy when you laid him out there when he was out there on his run. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And and And... and, and you know, I me I hate talking like that about people because, like I said, a lot of people don't understand like just our nature in general is African man. I'm very peaceful, you know. Mm-hmm. But you went out, y'all went out there and did that to them people. You need to get exactly back what they, you know, what they got, and yeah. and, and, and you still breathing. 
they gone. So big shout out to, you know, as it always is, just takes years on end, Mm -hmm. you know, for us to get something. But we got it. And, you know, God willing, it ain't no loopholes or, oh, you know, something that that get them out of that situation. And Mm -hmm. they need to sit in there their whole life to think about what it is that they did to those people. Un- yeah. unjustifiably you know what Absolutely. i'm saying so that's my shout out thank god thank the united states government for you know doing something good you know we do some good things sometimes but this is great you know thank you uh do, did you have any uh shout outs uh su- substantial um man uh, i'm trying to think bro who i want to shout out um, yeah, man, just shout out, uh, shout out to the homie, uh, Mega Ran, um, my man Novelist as well, uh, shout out to Mega Ran and Novelist, uh, we, we recently did some music, and, um, the main reason I'm bringing up Mega Ran right now, uh, cause see, we, we did an interview for, for my podcast, uh, last week, and, um, yeah, man, just, you know, just celebrating, let, I'm, I just want to lift up, I'm one brother lifting up another really good brother. You know what I mean? And um, and Rand is one of them dudes that I'm forever going to root for uh, because, like, man, you know, I feel like some days there's a shortage of good human beings, man, (laughs) in this world. And that dude right there is a great, man, he's a great dude through and through. And so, yeah, man, so shout out to Mega Ram, man. You know, we've been doing, uh, showing a lot of love to each other lately. I'm just trying to keep keep that going, you know what I'm saying, and hope that. You know, inspires more brothers to uh, lift up their brothers out here, and um, and also yes. as well. You know what I mean? So, just want to lift up my homie, man, and uh, appreciate. I appreciate that dude. Shout out to him. Shout out to my man Kokai, um, another amazing brother, man, um, who's been a great mentor to me and a better friend. So, uh, you know, I shout out them two dudes, and uh, yeah, man. Just to piggyback off what you said, my hundred, hundred percent with you. I feel like. People forget the main thing folks is asking for is equality and what equality looks like sometimes because a lot of times folks want mercy and I'm like, nah, B, you know what I mean? I want you to have, I want you to have what somebody like me would have for doing the same thing. That's it. That's what equality looked like. And I want, I want less of the roadblocks in, uh, you know, in my life so I can get to build uh you know wealth building and things like that and and i don't have to work harder than you to get the same opportunities that's all i want you know what i mean like i just want i just want folks out the way because i'm you know that's all i'm good at getting to these opportunities and turning these opportunities into things that are beneficial but what i can't control is people who have ill intentions right and and make it harder for people like me and other people who are willing to work hard to just get, we're just trying to have the same things, fam. I'm like, I don't necessarily, I don't need more than you, fam. I just want to be able oh, to yeah, have no. access to the same That's things. That's it. And so That's this home. idea that somehow we ain't worthy, like, nah, fam. It's like, so equality is you having access to the same system, <laughs> mm. right? And, and mm. how that system mm. has treated us, you know, mm. for, for doing the same crimes. You know, so, hey man, you know what I'm saying, and and enjoy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I hope I, ho- I hope your I hope your cellmate's not so friendly. 
<laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, exactly, 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 man. So with that being, with that being said, substantial man. Thank you for spending a little, you know, over an hour, uh, uh, with me. Like I, I really, truly, uh, appreciate having this interview. Uh, speaking to a brother, you know, of your standing, uh, you know, and like I said, when I, when I got the uh, DM back from you, I was. I was surprised. I was like, "Oh, I was like, Sub got Stan got back to me, man." I was like, you know, with that 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 alone, just kind of show what type of you know brother you are, what type of individual you are, to to somebody of your caliber to give me, you know, an hour and some change of your time to come on, you know, my platform and just you know speak to you, and uh, yeah, you are deeply and I truly appreciate that. Yes, thank you, Substantial. So, hey, everybody, with that being said, man, wherever you're out in the world, morning, noon, and night, remember to always be you. And that is it. How you gonna tell me what I can't do? Negro, that's when all I you had to say. Ain't nothing I can't handle. Sure as I can do it first. So, I'm gonna make it cooler, add a little flavor. Take a thank sip of the future, be a little greater. Mm-hmm. I ain't scared of all the skill more valuable than paper. Always remember to be you. Be you podcast を聞いていただき本当にありがとうございます。いつも being used to the lines and goods only good enough part of the time. And gray don't make 'em hate you from afar. In the comment section, like who these bitches think they are? Black of all trades, I do it. Carry the world's weight, I do it. I'll be damned if I can't, I do it. I do it, I do it, do it. Make something out of nothing, ain't nothing to make something if you want to. Do it, do it. Make something out of nothing, ain't nothing to make something if you want to. Do it.